Hey guys, this is Erin and we are back with another episode of Gals in the Wild podcast. On today's episode, we have a special guest, Avery Melcher, who is going to be talking about her little uh, project that she started for herself in college called The Pedal Project. And if you guys don't follow her on Instagram, um, you definitely should. She has some really great info and she's totally um, one of those go-getter girls that will help you any way that she can. So today we're going to talk a little bit about her project. We're going to talk about traveling solo. We're going to be talking about all the crazy hard things that life throws at us and how we can kind of overcome them and just go and do. So um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into the podcast with Avery and we will see you guys on the other side. Hi guys, we are here today with another episode of Gals in the Wild podcast, and today we have Avery Melcher on, and she is talking to us about the crazy cool ways that she adventures. Um, She has started a little project called The Pedal Project, which is really cool. She's going to explain all this stuff to us, Um, but she is a true adventurer, and before I give it away, I'm going to hand it off to Avery to talk a little bit more about herself. So, Avery, let's let's hear all the goods. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, well, like you said, I have started this little project called The Pedal Project, um, and it's kind of been my passion project over the past couple of years. By day, I'm a marketer, and I show up and in the past have done freelancing and working for myself and consulting over the years, but the underlying thing that's always been consistent for me is The Pedal Project, which started out just as my experience learning about adventure travel. And it was a completely new world to me that I wanted to start sharing with people. And I've always been a writer by trade. So it was pretty natural for me to fit it all together. But it's basically just my blog about adventure travel. And I am trying to make the outdoors more accessible to people. And that's my mission right now and what I want to share with people. And it started because I was learning about all the awesome ways people are traveling and seeing the world. And I I initially learned that there were people that were traveling by bicycle and that really fascinated me. And I had met a couple of people that actually traveled by bicycle for four years at a time, had never had a home during that time, lived on their bicycles and had been to many different countries And I absolutely became fascinated with that. So that's how the Pedal Project started. And we can get into it a little bit more. Um, I don't want to give everything away here, but that's where it started. And it's evolved over the years to now just being a bit more accessible for people. I know not everybody wants to bicycle tour, but I've learned a lot on my journey about backpacking, international travel, solo travel as a female. And I want to start sharing that with people so that they feel like they can kind of get up and do the same thing too. And they don't have to be some expert traveler. So that's where we're at today. And along the way, I've been sharing other people's story and kind of um, asking them how they got started in their adventures as well. Yeah, and I think that's what really drew me to your little Instagram there. It seems like you've done a lot of stuff, and I know people come to us all the time, and they're like, well, how do I do this, and how do I do that, and I don't know how to do this, and I think that for the most part, we just have to get out there and do it, but I think it's also good to hear that from people that have actually done it. So mm-hmm. um, how did you kind of come up with this pedal project? We talked uh, talked about it a little bit. But kind of like, when did you decide that you wanted to do this and all of that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. 
I was actually in college at the time and was had just returned from studying abroad in Paris, fell in love with traveling, and knew that I needed to do it more. But I was a broke college kid, so I didn't really know what was going to be a sustainable way to travel. Did I need to save up money? Is you know, were there things that I could do for free while still experiencing the world and the different cultures that I wanted to see? And that's kind of where. Uh, the bicycling part of it came in but overall with actually making the pedal project something and like a tangible uh, entity I guess if you will and blog was when I started getting into everything I was embarrassed to ask a lot of questions because a lot of these things there's almost a barrier to entry to the outdoors I don't know if you've ever felt that way where I was on my first camping trip and I, I simply didn't know what kind of sleeping bag I was supposed to have or what kind of sleeping mat I was supposed to have. So rather than feeling like an idiot and asking somebody, I just went without a sleeping mat on my first camping trip. And I didn't have a real backpack. I just had like literally a school backpack. And I was, I was too embarrassed to ask these things because I didn't want to look like an idiot. So I put myself kind of through hell along the way. And I don't want anyone to feel intimidated to ask those things either. Um, and I know sometimes it's kind of a man's world too. So that was always an element for me too, is with cycling or backpacking, I would be out there with like a whole group of guys and already kind of out of my element. And then just adding on the layers of stepping out of the comfort zone. I was out of my element just being with a bunch of people I didn't know. They were all guys that, you know, the good old boys club hanging out with people that they clearly did this often. And then on top of it, I don't know, you know, how to blow up my air mattress um, or even start my stove and all of these really silly things. So I just had to pretend that uh, just the fake it till you make it or spend a lot of time Googling. I called myself a hypothetical backpacker for a long time because I was so afraid of not knowing how to do things. So I would just research it to death and be able to speak to it before I actually went out and did these things. Um, and I kind of realized other people are feeling the same way. So I started to share all of the things that I researched, the things that I've learned now from about, we're going on six years, uh, six years of getting out in the outdoors and putting that out there so other people can learn about it. Which is good because I know a lot of people, especially because you said that it kind of is a man's world. And I like how you put it. You said that there's like almost a barrier to entry to the outdoors. And I think a lot of us feel that way. Um, you just don't ever know if what you're doing is right. And you don't want to ask a dumb question. And it's just like constant, like you're like fighting with yourself. And then you're like fighting nature because you're like freezing there. <laughs> yeah. I've done that before so many times. It was just funny when you said that because it's, it's literally just, um, it's something that we all do. And I think we especially do it as women. Like we choose to put ourselves in this kind of uh, situation sometimes. So I just, <laughs> I, I was like really enjoying when you were saying that. I was trying not to like laugh all, all over the place. So, because um, that definitely happened to me multiple times. Yeah, I'm glad other people feel it. Because I know, like, I just tend to do things the hard way anyway, it seems, um, <laughs> for better or worse. 
but there have definitely been times where I'm out there um, and, you know, I've been on cycling trips and I'm just in excruciating pain and hating myself, but will not admit it to the people I'm with because I just, I want to be like the good time person and be the expert. And the truth is I'm not always, and that's okay. And it took me a long time to get there. But um, that's, that's kind of what I want other people to know is I've been doing all of these awesome trips and I by no means consider myself uh, the expert in the space. I'm just learning along the way and hopefully sharing it with people. Yeah, I think it's difficult, especially when people are like, they want to go to the expert for all of this information. But I know that it's almost better to talk to the people that have like been there and done that, that you know. Um, and people that you feel like you can trust and like sometimes like going to REI some people just like are very intimidating I think and um, it just is a lot to take on at once so I think it's good and I think sharing our experiences is the best way to do it and especially not scare people off because then there are the people that are super serious about everything and they're kind of like um, you could die out here and they're basically hey we're never gonna go we just bought all this camping gear and we're not gonna go so Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's part of it is because there are legitimately situations that you could put yourself into that you could die in. But I have learned that the human body can also withstand quite a bit. So (laughs) um, along the way, it's been not only kind of a physical test, which I've I've come to love and has been a part of my journey as well. Um, Kind of by accident is I've also gotten very healthy along the way. Um, but also it's just a mental test too of like, what can you really handle? <laughs> yeah, I think that's been the hardest part for me is the mental test. I never realized how much of a baby I was until I started hiking a lot. And then I was like, wow, you're gonna have to pull this together. So thankfully we've gotten a lot better, but, um, I haven't gotten to the cycling yet. I've thought about doing mountain biking, but I don't know if we're quite there with the, the supper fest. I don't, I'm not at somebody that's like, woo, 60 plus <laughs> miles a day. Sounds awesome. Um, But yeah, so did you always love cycling? I know we kind of talked about this, but was there like something other than like people seeing people on bikes? Did you used to like cycle as a kid or were you just like, (laughs) let's try it once? (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of my favorite story uh, to share. And no, I did not used to cycle at all. Um, I grew up, I, I grew up in Nebraska. So it's a small town and I grew up on a farm, but that's kind of a different, that's a different kind of outdoorsy. So I was always around nature and animals and would run around in the front yard and, uh, you know, like walk down the gravel road, but that's not really going out on a backpacking trip. And so I, it was more of a way of life and less of a sport or a pastime. Um, and then as I grew up, I actually became kind of a diva and high maintenance, um, I guess. <laughs> and I studied fashion. So my, my degree and what I studied was uh, fashion and French, which is why I ended up studying in Paris. So when I came back and was coming up on my senior year of college, I was really set on like high fashion. I really wanted to work for one of the top magazines and I wanted to work in fashion journalism, either on, in New York or LA or even Paris. And that's where I was looking. And most of my friends at the time probably had never seen me outside of wearing heels and full makeup uh there's nothing wrong with that but now the people who know me would be like you own heels um so it was almost a complete 180 for me but along the way what happened was during that year that I kind of mentioned when you introduced me 
I was a broke college student getting ready to graduate and I really wanted to travel, but just physically I couldn't um, finishing up my degree. And so I started hosting people on couch surfing. And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's definitely grown. It was the pre Airbnb of super cheap backpackers where you just get online and you find someone in the town that you're going to and you can craft at their place. So what I started doing, and it actually started as a college project, which is why it's called the Pedal Project, um, was I would host people and they would come through. Being in Nebraska, I actually got a lot of people because I got people on cross-country road trips. And they would come through, sit on my couch, and I would ask them how they ended up in Nebraska and what they were doing there. And that is actually kind of, that is the very root of the pedal project was sitting down and seeing what people were doing. And one group of those people were four guys that came in on bicycles. And after two nights of staying at my place, because they were waiting to fix one of their bikes, I learned about all of the places they went to and they started in Great Britain and had been riding for four years and had ridden all around the world and ended up in Lincoln, Nebraska of all places as their final leg of their journey. And I absolutely could not believe that somebody could even ride a bicycle this far. <laughs> you mentioned you were not one of those like people that are like, yeah, 60 miles a day on a bicycle. Yeah, I hated the idea and I thought it was terrible. But there was something about sitting there. I, I didn't even own a bike. I don't think I had been on a bike in maybe 15 years. And I was sitting there on the floor in my college apartment just with stars in my eyes. And when these guys like pedaled out of my driveway, I looked at my roommate and I was like, I am going to bicycle around the world, hopefully, but I, I need to go get a bicycle. And the following week I went and bought a bicycle, something used. I didn't even talking about barrier to entry. I didn't even know how to pick out a bike or what questions to even ask. Like I ended up in hindsight buying the wrong size bike and making all of the mistakes but I got that first bike and my roommate was like you hate exercise like you hate sweating what are you doing like you know you're gonna have to buy tennis shoes and so I went out and bought what I thought was all the gear and the next weekend I signed up in a hundred mile race and in my head which sounds ridiculous I was like if I can ride a hundred miles I can ride 10,000 miles because no one's ever going to ride more than a hundred miles in a day. And if I can do this and I actually enjoy it, like I can go anywhere. And that's what started it. <laughs> so it's kind of a crazy story. I look back and just a part of it is just being crazy and not knowing any better. But had I known any better, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at now. So I'm super grateful for just hearing this story of these people passing through on my couch and feeling compelled to go get a bicycle. Um, as it went, I did the 100-mile ride. I absolutely loved it, and I met people there, and I started understanding that there's this amazing community of people, 
and the kind of the rest is history. Like from then on, I spent every single night researching gear. I decided I was going to build my own bicycle. So I researched everything because I wanted to know every single piece of the bicycle. I didn't just want to ride a bicycle and pick something out online based on someone else's reviews. I wanted to know how it was built and build it with my own hands. And so that's kind of what started everything um, about five years ago. And that was really the first time I had actually picked up a bicycle and ridden it probably more than just around my, uh, you know, front lawn as a kid. Wow. I mean, you should go and find those guys and be like, hey, I'm doing it. I'm doing the damn thing. That's awesome. I know. I was like, when you said like, oh, if I can ride a hundred miles, I was like, what? Crazy. (laughs) That's amazing. I know. Well, that's the thing is like, if you would have known me, like, almost a little bit over a year ago, I would have never thought that I would have hiked like something over 500 miles this year. Like it was just kind of crazy for, for me to even now it seems like it was just easy. Like it was whatever it's what it was. And, um, but back then I'm sure the, the old Aaron would have been like, what the hell are you doing? Are you all right? Did you fall? Did you hit your head? You know? Um, but that's awesome. Those dudes need to know they need to be like, Hey, that's awesome. Like that's that's crazy cool story. And especially since you hadn't, I don't think I haven't been on a bike so long, I'd probably like fall over immediately. So that's like super impressive that you were like, next weekend I'm just gonna ride a hundred miles. So that's super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do uh, occasionally keep in touch with them. So I think oh, that's you know, awesome. <laughs> um, I don't want to intimidate anyone and be like, you changed my life, but <laughs> not to freak you out. <laughs> But my life is completely different. Thanks for sleeping on the couch. (laughs) Okay, so you also live in a van, which is super cool. We've had a couple of van lifers on here. Um, But how do you like that lifestyle? And how does that um, affect the way that you're like bicycling and stuff currently? Yeah, so um, talking about things kind of changing, I actually I have a van and it's my weekend adventure vehicle, but I didn't actually move into it full time, um, which I think not a lot of people talk about because I think the popular thing and what everybody sees on Instagram is, oh, I got a van and we fixed it up and we live in it now and we're kind of living the dream life. And I have a few friends that are absolutely doing that. Um, And I kind of, I wanted that at the time I was traveling full time and I had my full community of other nomads and I decided that the best thing and the best way to see all the parks and bicycle and backpack was to get the ultimate adventure rig. And that's how I ended up with my van. Um, And once I moved back to the United States at the time I was traveling internationally. So once I moved back to the United States and got the van and started fixing it up, I was like, I actually don't know if I want to do this. Um, I think there's a very real possibility that I will in the future. Ultimately, for me, it came down to kind of, again, what I said at the beginning was I do have a day job. And so I decided that if I was going to live in the van, it was going to be I needed to be constantly on the go and mostly in areas around national parks and kind of those adventure travel destinations. Um I'm based in San Diego, and so it's pretty difficult to live in a van here because you're just on a street. So I've tested it out a few times in San Diego, and it's kind of an interesting mix. I think the the van is kind of a gateway to really the the ultimate lifestyle of being on the go and have a very simplistic 
life and but at the same time everything that you need right there and I live that on the weekends but on the day-to-day when I'm in a town it's just it wasn't sustainable for me yeah I think for a a lot of people because I always thought because I ended up buying a trailer inside of a van because I know my limitations as in I don't want to get out in the middle of the night and pee (laughs) <laughs> it's freezing and so that's why I ended up getting an Airstream trailer but I know for a lot of people they like start doing all of this and then it's like maybe we did something we weren't supposed to be doing <laughs> quite yet like it was a lot more than they bargained for and I feel like nobody talks about that like nobody's like oh I'm giving up my van because I didn't want to pee through a funnel like everybody's like I'm getting up my van because you know I'm doing something else and I, I, I really appreciate your honesty because sometimes people are like, yeah, I live in the van and then that's all you see of them. And it kind of just gives you this atmosphere of that everything's okay all the time when you live <laughs> in a little tiny space. And it's not because I live in a tiny space, but not that tiny of a space. And it's yeah. not always it's not always rainbow, rainbows and unicorns for sure. So yeah. um, especially in San Diego, I had um, I know some people that actually had a van and they were staying in the Bay Area. And I don't know how they did it. I really don't know because it's like in the city. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you do that all the time? Where do you sleep and not get like, you know, it's like quiet. <laughs> what do you do with all this stuff? And, um, you know, they've moved on to do other things now. But I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy to think about. So um, and yeah. I know that I'll never bring the Airstream to a city because it's just so much. But <laughs> I'll stick to some of the smaller places. But I'm just um, I appreciate the honesty. And I'm sure everybody else does, too, because. Not yeah. everybody's shirtless and running around and there's like a mountain range right in front of the van, you know, like it's just not how it goes. I mean, I wish, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if only that's how the world was every day, you know, it would be yeah. a perfect life. And I've actually, uh, I've actually rented out my van to people before. So um, that's great. And it's, it's brought me definitely to a community of like-minded people and it's just like you said, like, once you start scratching the surface of the lifestyle, you really learn what other people are doing. And a lot of people don't live in their van full time. And I've met a lot of people, too, that were like, yeah, it was it was super fun on the weekends. But you know what? At the end of the day, I want to be able to drive a vehicle faster than 50 miles per hour and not break down every 200 miles. And I'm like, yes, I, I totally get it. <laughs> So um, sometimes I, when I, when I take it out on a weekend, that weekend is about the van and, you know, that's a fully just a part of the journey. Like, I don't know. It's not super reliable. It's over 30 years old. I've learned how to fix a lot of it. And so, you know, that, that is the travel and the journey and the adventure is having the van and taking it somewhere and getting it there in one piece, as opposed to a lot of backpacking weekenders that I do or bicycle trips. It's like, I need to meet people in a place at a specific time. And then we're going to go on this adventure. And a van doesn't really allow for that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's what some people have said is that it just, it's a lot different than people think we had, it's going to be technically it's this week, but we're recording this the week before you're going on before this will post. Um, but she said that the hardest thing for them is that they didn't realize how much they had to like schedule out their day because at some point they had to figure out like how they were going to get from point A 
to point B and then figure out a point C where they were going to have a bathroom and Mm -hmm. where you can like park and all that stuff. And I just thought that I was like, dang, I never thought about that, you know, Um, especially because your van goes everywhere with you. I feel like that's kind of, um, it's a lot. (laughs) At least I can drop my house somewhere. I'm like, it's fine. It'll be all right. And then I can drive my other, my other car and take it with me. But I know that that's kind of uh, that's also one of the burdens, and people don't talk about that either. So yeah, if you've seen, if you saw my Instagram, my van is not subtle either. It's a <laughs> giant red van. Yeah. <laughs> so that'd be a little hard to hide, probably. If people in neighborhoods are like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> don't it. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've been adventuring all over the place, but what has been your favorite adventure so far? Oh, that is the hardest question that people ask. <laughs> Um, I would say in terms of just really unique adventures that I've put together, um, it was almost two years ago, I bicycled around Cuba. So I did a four to five day bicycle tour. And it was a part of a larger trip. It was a part of six months of full time travel. So that adventure in itself was definitely the most memorable and has a place in my heart and always will because it was really the the jumping off point for me where I decided to invest in myself and invest in the things that I wanted to do um, be it my writing and photography and working on my own business and launching that and I that took me to Puerto Rico where I was for almost three months and I was living there And a friend came to visit me and he was just like I've been talking about one of those people that was really wanted to get into bicycle touring, but didn't know anyone who did it, was afraid to go do it by himself, and then was kind of just afraid to ask people questions. So I was like, well, I'm... Puerto Rico is, you know, geographically kind of in the neighborhood of Cuba. If you come to Puerto Rico, let's go to Cuba together and tour because I think that that would be just an awesome, epic trip. And so we went to Cuba. I figured out how to rent some bicycles while we were there. And we bicycled around Cuba for five days. And it was just amazing Um, because I don't think a lot of people do that. And a lot of people have that experience. Not a lot of people have that view of Cuba. I think everybody thinks bubblegum pink cars and old Havana. And we were in the countryside and hanging out with locals, using the local currency in some of the really small towns and um, using sign language to try to communicate with people because my Spanish is horrible. And then at the same time, kind of really doing what I want to do with the pedal project and teach people who want to get into this world what it's like and in this example I could do it firsthand with my friend and showing him oh this this is what we're doing um and this is what it's really like when you're here and sometimes it's awful and then other times um you know you think it's awful when you're bicycling down this bumpy road and it just got dark and you have no idea where you are and you realize that no one in Cuba drives with their headlights on at night and we may get run over, 
But then in the morning, it's more amazing than you could ever imagine because that place where we happen to pitch our hammocks is actually a secluded beach in Cuba, white sand, and we get a sunrise that's amazing over the water. So it, it goes from like a terrible moment to a fantastic moment. And it was amazing to be able to bring along someone who has never been on a bicycle tour and then also go to a place that not a lot of people have been to. Yeah, I know Cuba has been on my list for a while. And when you started talking about this, I don't know why I haven't mentioned it earlier because you've been talking about how you're bicycling all over the place. But I just finished this book called To Shake the Sleeping Self by Jedediah Jenkins. I don't know if you've read it, but I think you would love it. Um, this guy goes from like Portland, Oregon, all the way down to Patagonia um, on his bicycle. And I'm like, why haven't I said anything about this before now? Um, but I think that that's awesome. And when I was reading that book and like how you said that it kind of goes from like, you're having like a bad moment to like, it's amazing and everything's great and you forget about it. And I think the suffer fest is there for like almost every activity that you do outdoors, (laughs) but I can't imagine that. I mean, like I, it's probably so much more rewarding to be able to just see it all the time. Cause I know that when I go and hike and everything, it's like, Oh, you're out there for a couple hours and then you go inside and that's the end of it. Or when you camp, you camp for a couple of days, but when you're like touring a whole place, you're like on your bike and you're just feeling it all around you, I guess. And so that's why, you know, how I said I wasn't like interested in doing 60 miles. I might contemplate it now because of the way you put it. So that's great. That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah let's, and let's go for a ride. Yeah, let's go. Um, yeah. I was, well, I was going to say, um, I actually started following Jedediah, I think when he was in Mexico so he has been that was a while ago (laughs) yeah it's like 2014 or whatever in the book yes that was actually I'm trying to think that that would have been the year that I got a bicycle so he was actually kind of one of my sources of inspiration because when I had met those four guys that were crashing on my couch um the first trip and kind of route that I had learned about was actually the Pan American Highway. And for a long time, that's kind of what the pedal project was about. That's really what I wanted to do. And you can still find some posts and some things on my blog about that. And it's really shifting as I've been talking about in this podcast. So I don't focus on that anymore. That's still my dream trip. It's never far from my mind. And then I saw that book come out this year and I'm like, it's like the universe reminding me that that was something I wanted to do. So I know eventually I'm going to, there's going to be some sort of challenge or someone's going to bring it up and I'm going to have to be a woman of my word. Be like, yes, that was the trip I wanted to do. (laughs) And then I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. And it seems like a lot, but I mean, and that's the thing is like, it was funny because I was reading that and I know that like us as humans, we get to this like weird thing where we're like, you know, somebody did it like this whole entire trip without stopping. They only hitchhiked like a hundred miles, but then he was talking about how, um, he was, this was his trip and that he could decide what he wanted to do. So yeah, he biked a lot of it more than I could probably ever bike in my life. Not going to lie. And he, you know, they hitchhiked a lot. They did. And he skipped a few parts and stuff and like hung out in some places longer than others. And I was like, it's funny how like as humans, we're kind of like all registered the same way to be like, oh no, well, if he stopped here and then I need to stop here and like all that stuff. And it was just, it's a really good book. And that's hilarious that you said that you like actually followed him during that time. Cause I had no idea he existed. I'm trying to think 2014, what I was doing, but it was probably something really embarrassing. So we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> hey, it was embarrassing for me too. I was buying my first secondhand <laughs> bicycle and <laughs> trying out my first hundred miles. 
but you did it and that's what matters. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I love that you've been like asking people because on your blog, I, you know, I do my creeping. I'm very thorough. <laughs> um, you have been asking people like, what is their bliss? And so what have you kind of learned about people through this like bicycling and like adventuring stuff um, that you probably just wouldn't have learned if you had just kind of s- stayed in that path that you were on before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was trying not to give it away before, but um, that was the question that I asked everyone when they sat on my couch. Um, that was what I, I I told them they had to pay rent for the night, and that's what it was, was what's your bliss? And what was interesting about asking people in that way was I saw people like open up in a way that they wouldn't if you just simply asked someone, what are you doing here? Um, so what I learned about people was less about just people in general, but I learned so much about individuals that I had people like crying and hug me. And I had one woman play me a song that she had actually written while she was traveling. And she was like, you're the first person who's ever heard this and people opening up to me and sharing stories because they really wanted to connect. And that was something that was really interesting to me. So I continued to do that while I was bicycling and traveling and adventuring because what I learned is, again, once you scratch the surface, it's not at all what you uh, think or would assume. And I've been on both sides of this where you see someone traveling and you assume there's some 20-year-old kid, a bum, just going on their Euro trip backpack through Europe. But when I've sat down to talk to some of these people, they're brilliant, um, finishing up doctorate degrees or, you know, going on volunteer trips or starting their own businesses. Um, I've met people from Silicon Valley tech startup, uh, tech startup entrepreneurs while sitting in Nicaragua and Costa Rica in secluded towns. And so I guess what I've really learned about people is that people want to connect, but everybody just leaves it at the surface level a lot. So now I've become this weird person that asks really deep like meaning of life questions uh, within the first five minutes of meeting someone because those questions of um, what do you do or what are you doing? I've, I've seen just like, you know, you said if, if I was just sitting at home or at the office that is what people default to. If I say, what are you doing? Or what do you do? Or tell me about yourself. The first thing that people come up with is what they do professionally. But if you ask people, what's your bliss? That goes a little bit deeper because that ties them to something greater than their job. It ties them and they can talk about what they live for and their passion and really who and what they want to be. And that's really what I was interested in, in talking to people. And I think where that ties into adventure travel and being outdoors is what you and I have kind of been talking about this whole time is that suffer fuss and breaking uh, kind of down your ego and just getting over it of, am I going to ask this question of somebody who knows how to do it? and be a lot more comfortable or am I going to suffer through it and either way I'll be okay but there's there's two routes here and both both of them are going to be painful and so I think you become vulnerable there and that's what I've learned in my experience in the outdoors and I see other people having very similar experiences and a lot of times people have that one trip or that one travel that really did it for them um and whatever did it for them means could you know could mean 
they really discovered they love that person that's waiting for them back home, or they wanted to go home and start their company, or they continued traveling because they realized they wanted to quit their job. And so all of these stories have all evolved from me just simply asking, what is your bliss? (laughs) Which like, you know, people don't really think about that. And when you start talking about how, when you ask somebody, you know, what are you doing? What do you do? And people automatically just like, it's like a switch. They just talk about their professional careers and stuff. And I never thought about that until you said it that way. But it's true because we never like, when somebody asks us, you know, what are we doing? Even if we're riding a bike on the beach, you know, beside the beach or walking down the beach or climbing or doing whatever, nobody ever asks you, what do you actually like doing? People are always like, so what do you do for a living? And you're like, well, that's kind of like the least important information about me you know (laughs) yeah exactly and I I've always I made that premise to myself too where when people ask me that question of what do you do I told myself that no matter what I'm doing at the time because in the past I've I've worked contract part-time jobs I have worked for myself as a consultant helping other companies and I've worked as an employee both remote and in office and so all of that is very fluid and like you said it's almost the least important thing about me and definitely not the most interesting thing about me Um, and so I made that pledge to myself where anytime someone asks that question I'm going to tell them what I want them to know about me and the things that I'm excited that I'm doing and not necessarily what I got paid to do that day between 9 and 5. Because who really cares about that? I think that's the <laughs> thing is like you don't come home and you're like, "All right, well I did 12 spreadsheets today." And that's yeah. not what you tell like your significant other or your friends. You're not like you're always talking, you know, talking crap about Cindy down the hallway, but you're never, you know, saying, yeah. oh, I, I killed the spreadsheet game today. Nobody ever says that. So um, I think that's, I'm like writing notes over here, so don't mind me. But um, no, I think awesome. it's really, um, it's a really interesting topic. And I think we're definitely gonna have to talk about it more because I feel like the more that we like ingrain like this whole idea that it's more important to be a professional than it is to, you know, do things that you're happy to be doing, it's like very difficult for you to escape that identity. So I think that's really, um, that's another, that's a podcast topic for another day, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So what's been kind of the best part about this project for you? And then maybe kind of like the worst or most difficult part that you've experienced? Yeah. Um, I think the best part is honestly seeing people's reactions. Um, When I finally took the leap, uh, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows, and I try to be pretty transparent about it, and I hope to talk about that more like for example with the van I you can even it's it's almost embarrassing you can go back and see my blog post where I'm like I bought a van I'm moving into my van and then I just went silent about it and I actually had people call me out and say uh what happened to that like aren't you living in your van and so I guess very much like cycling and the example I gave you before with Cuba um the the worst part and the best part are tied together (laughs) Um, because that, that has been the struggle of when you're putting yourself out there. I've always been a writer, but I've always been a ghost writer where somebody like an example of what that would be is if somebody wanted to write a book, but maybe wasn't necessarily a good writer, but had the information in their mind, 
I would sit down and interview them and then I would write the book in their voice and tone and then they would put their name on it. And so that's how I built my career and what I did. And so when I sat down to write for myself, I it sounds silly, but I almost didn't know what my own voice was. And so it was a very scary process for me. And at first it was the most difficult part and the worst part is because if somebody said something that they didn't like, it felt like they were attacking me personally and the thing about it is I, I don't have to put myself out there and in front of people. I don't have to post about it on social media and I don't have to blog about my life and my insecurities online. But I decided to do that. And then if anybody, you know, kind of had negative feedback, it hurt almost doubly. And so I would say that that would be the most difficult part of was just getting out there and really facing the truth and admitting that I didn't know all of these things. I think on social media, everybody likes to come across like with their best selves and sharing, you know, only the good parts about vacation and um, traveling and everything like that. And very similar to what we were talking about with this barrier to entry, everybody just likes to talk about how amazing their camping trip was. No one likes to talk about the part about how they ran out of water because they didn't know how to budget for taking water out into the backcountry. And so kind of rounding out that, I guess, as I dug through all of that, the best part was seeing that the more I didn't have the answers, the more people really loved it and got behind what I was doing and was excited about it. And so in those times where I was like, yeah, I made a mistake or, hey, I thought I was going to do this and then I didn't. Um, and anytime I've just been completely blatantly honest with people, they've been very excited about it. And it, it's been both people that I've even had the chance to work with a few brands and they thought that that was cool, too, which totally blew my mind because in my head, I think that a blogger or somebody sharing anything online has to be the expert with the best photos and never and they're always on and when I started just being very honest and saying hey I'm, I'm not like the biggest but this is what I'm doing and I'm always super honest about it because I don't know how to be any other way people really really received that well and building that community and seeing everyone excited about that and getting excited about people who are doing similar things in their own way is definitely the best part. Yeah, I think what I resonated a lot with the whole the worst part thing was that the same thing you kind of you would think most people are being honest and upfront and everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. But then you see like influencers and bloggers that kind of just you know, they act like they know everything. And it's a lot and I had kind of the same experience where um, I've been posting a lot about, you know, the struggles of life in general and how like nature has helped me overcome this. And when you start calling yourself like an adventure or travel blogger, people kind of come after you because they're like, well, if you haven't done this and blah, 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 all that. I literally had a guy once I posted a video of me at the, the big like downtown library here in Phoenix because it had just reopened. They had just been doing some remodeling. And I was like, this is the coolest library I've ever seen. And a guy like came after me and was like, if you're an adventure blogger and you're, that's what you're supposed to be and you think this is the coolest library in the world, I'm unfollowing you. And like just like sending me messages over and over again. And I was like, what is wrong 
with you? Like, I don't know. Like, people are just kind of crazy. And so I think a lot of people, especially for influencers that are really open and honest, you probably don't see the shit on the other end that they get every day. So I don't know. I'm not one of those people that incite stuff in general, and I don't understand people that do. But I think that I really relate to, relate to that, and I don't – I have a very minimal following on my personal yeah. account, but it's just very, like – um, people are very rude about it. But then you also have the people that are really nice and they're like, thank you so much for saying this. And I've definitely gotten way more nice things than rude things, but the rude things definitely like get in there. They like stab you real good. And it's like you never, and it's never from like, you know, people that you would ever talk to in a million years, but it's, um, <laughs> it's, you, you it still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it still sucks. And you wish that it didn't, but it does. So, um, yeah, everyone yeah. starts everyone starts somewhere. I'm with you like in the in the world of influencers and bloggers, I'm like a tiny little speck on the shoe of some bigger person. And being on it, but but that doesn't discredit the things that we're doing or saying. And I think that that was getting over, and I I struggle with it every single day, but that imposter syndrome that everyone talks about is definitely a thing and it at first it kind of made me roll my eyes of like imposter syndrome whatever I'm just gonna do me but it's totally true because you have people or I have friends from the past that are like who do you think you are now doing these things and like writing these things and girl me acting <laughs> like acting like you're some big stuff and I'm like well I, I don't know <laughs> like this is my it's like of the internet like, <laughs> so you don't and that's the thing is like I don't think especially it doesn't come off to me like you're like acting like you're some big stuff and I hope people don't think that about me but I'm like at the same time like we all have different perspectives and I think a lot of people do value from having that you know being able to read different perspectives and different you know, types of adventuring and, and there's all kinds of stuff that I wouldn't have ever done if I hadn't like read about it or seen somebody in a photo in it and like talk to them about it. So I don't know. It's we're in this weird kind of wave in the world where it's like everybody wants to be an influencer and then like the people that are like not doing so hot and get really discouraged are usually the ones that are like, Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's just one of those things and um I actually one of the people I did a TED talk recently and one of the girls, um that was like the first person line. She was talking about imposter syndrome because she'd always wanted to be a space cadet, like a real, like she wanted to be an astronaut and her dad and stuff worked at NASA and she never thought that she could do it. And she finally like just decided to apply one day and she made it through like the last round. She was like, I literally just have a PhD and like all three of my degrees are in science. And now she's like been through astronaut training camp and People are like, who do you think you are? And I'm like, well, she's an astronaut, so she's way cooler than me, and that's obvious, but I still have something to say, too, so I think, I don't know, people just kind of suck sometimes, but everything's, for the most part, everybody's really nice, so... I, I agree. And I think that I don't know what I was reading the other day, and I wish I did, um, but the idea of it was what do you want to be, you know, like, if you say, I want to be a writer, well, the only difference between wanting to be a writer and being a writer is literally just writing something. And for me, that was always my dream was to be a writer. I have journals and journals, I write every single day, whether it's published or not, that's just in me, like in in high school, I was the kid that you paid to write your college, your high school paper. Um, 
because I loved it. <laughs> and so, so now doing it, um, I think a lot of people think you have to have some, you know, I'll say I'm a writer and people will be like, have I read anything? And that you've written and I'm like I don't know maybe probably not but that doesn't mean I'm not a writer because I do write every day and I so I was reading this and it said you know are you want to be a writer do you write okay you're a writer don't tell people that you want to be a writer say you're a writer and it will kind of start to become a self-fulfilling prophecy so um I I do kind of a lot of mind work and stuff like that but I, I really loved that and I think about that almost daily when I'm thinking about whether or not I want to sit down at my computer and just work for 30 minutes and write because that's what I've promised myself. And I always tell myself when I'm having that struggle of, can you call yourself a writer today? And if I say yes, that means I've written something. And if I say no, and it's, you know, nine o'clock at night, and I haven't written anything yet that day, I can't go to bed. I, I can't go to bed without being able to say I'm a writer for that day. And that's how I approach it every single day. And that's just where I start. Um, Yeah. So that's just what works for me. And then that kind of helps in the grand scheme of everything. When somebody says, well, who do you think you are? I'm like, well, I'm a writer. I wrote today. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't have to say that I'm like JK Rowling. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same way. Cause I know when people are like, so what do you do for a living? And you're like, Oh, well, I do a lot of things. And then people are like, well, how, what's your, what's the biggest brand you work with or stuff like that? And you're like, why does that matter? Like, can you not just take my word for it? And sometimes it gets frustrating and it's just like, people are very concerned with like the grandeur of life Mm -hmm. instead of like, did you actually sit down and do what you said you did today? You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people, like if they looked at themselves, especially because people are like, oh, I work out, but you worked out like twice this week. Mm -hmm. Did you really like, are, are you like a fitness competitor? Like, what are you doing? Like, nobody would like for me to ask them that question. So it's like, (laughs) people don't really realize that, you know, and I think what's really cool that you're doing is that you like say that you can't, go to sleep at night unless you've written. And I know sometimes I'm like, Ugh, don't worry about it. It'll get done tomorrow. But it's like, you know, that's really, if you make that commitment to yourself, there's no, you shouldn't really feel like an imposter anymore if you're like constantly doing what you say you're going to do. So that's a really cool, I'm going to have to challenge myself to something like that and, and see how it goes. Cause that's got to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. It's a good challenge. I mean, I don't, I don't do it every day. Like you know, yeah. in this example, like we're, we're talking uh, kind of ideals and the self-talk that I'm trying to program. Um, and that, that is my ideal place. And I've hit that some weeks and it feels great. And some weeks I don't. And then you just have to say, well, that's okay. You just keep going. It's not. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you don't have to do something every day to do it, you know, to be a writer. And I think especially for more of like the creative type of professions, people are like, oh, well, you have to do it every day or you have to be doing something magnificent or crazy and successful in order for you to be that kind of person. And it's like, you know, it's different. It's different for all of us. So I think that's a really good uh, challenge and perspective. So um, we have lots of people. I know I get questions like this all the time and I don't ever know how to tackle it because I'm not one of the most um, non-blunt people in the world. But um, we have people ask us about traveling alone and feeling lonely and kind of how's like a good way to get over it. For me, I'm always just like, um, I don't really feel that way most of the time. But for people that do, I don't have a good answer. So I thought I would ask you because you traveled solo a lot. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so I've, I've traveled mostly solo, um, especially recently, and or kind of this weird situation where I myself am solo, but I'm technically going with a group, but I don't know a single person there, which I still kind of consider solo um, because it's very easy to feel lonely in a setting like this, which is kind of what this is about, where you're, you've joined a whole group of people that maybe I, I found groups on Instagram or meetup or just from talking to people in towns and areas that I've been and been invited along on trips where it's very clear everyone else knows each other and you don't. So you're like, okay, I checked off the box of like doing something today and I'm with people, but I still feel very alone and like no one here knows me. Um, so I have been in that situation. Um, and then the other part of it was when I was traveling full time and working remote was I, I was always living in these places that people come on for vacation. And so I always felt like kind of the fish in the fishbowl. Um, and you had mentioned, you know, people are always asking me, like, who do you think you are? What are you doing? What are the biggest brands you've worked with? I've blatantly just had people ask me how much money I make um, because they see you sitting at the hostel working on your computer or they see you um, taking photos and talking about the things that you're doing. And then you almost become a spectacle and part of what they're there to see. And that's very isolating because um, in that example, I was actually on. Um, I was on a snorkeling trip and I started talking about my blog and it went from this thing that was supposed to be just fun and a day out to them just drilling me and asking me questions and it almost felt like work and it wasn't very fun for me anymore. So before I get too into that, like that is totally normal and from what I've heard of other people that happens to them too, which is why there are a lot more um, like co-working spaces and like-minded groups that I see getting together all around the world. And so that would be the first thing that I would say. And my not really necessarily favorite thing to do, but my go-to is to kind of just recognize that I'm feeling lonely and that's okay. Um, but then seeing if I have actually tried to seek out other people in the area. A lot of times, like, Instagram is my go-to. You don't need a huge following to connect with people. Um, I have connected with people in many different countries, like people back home who are just coming through, and by reaching out to people or putting a post out there and seeing if anyone's around, I've had actually good friends from home come and see me. And um, another similar professional example was I put something up on LinkedIn of saying, I'm working in London this week. If anyone's around, let me know. And I actually had a client uh, reach out and pay me. And he said that a friend of his from business school actually worked in London and they invited me in to work in their office for the week. And I got to work in their office and go to their company happy hours. Um, so and what's great about that is it's tapping into your own familiar network, but in a kind of a new and surprising way without really having to throw yourself into like a completely foreign situation, if that makes sense. Because I personally am an extrovert. So when I travel, I have no problem going to the bar and talking to the person next to me. But most people aren't that way. And so 
when I, when people are feeling lonely, when they travel, I recognize that most people aren't going to be able to just walk across the street to the pub and start talking to the locals. And so that's kind of where I have always turned is, you know, what, what's going on in the area, or a lot of times I play tourist, and I'll actually go join one of those tours, even if it's something that I don't necessarily have interest in doing, um, or I don't feel like I need to see the city in that way in a tour. I'll try to find something that's tied to an interest um, or do a pub crawl or something that's based on um, a social setting so that I know I'll meet other people who are my age or have similar interests as me that I can connect with. Um, So it's kind of fluid of what to do in those situations. And I think at the end of the day, though, anyone feels lonely like if you've ever had those weeks even just sitting at home and if you've ever tested it just you know wake up go to the office after the office come home and just hang out by yourself for a night without talking to people and you'll you can kind of artificially create that feeling of loneliness too like it's a totally normal feeling and it happens but you just have to pull yourself out of it and remember that especially now more than ever People are literally just a phone away. And if you happen to be backpacking or camping or somewhere where you don't have a phone, try to remember that that's why you're there in the first place is to kind of disconnect and be alone for a while. And I think that's kind of like the thing for me is that when I'm out and about and I'm usually I travel a lot with my dog and it's just me and her. And for some reason, I don't know, I always tend to do better. Not that I do better when I'm traveling alone necessarily, but for me, when I'm out and about, I don't really get that feeling a lot. I think there's a lot of ways that you can connect. And I've met a lot of people through like Instagram and stuff, like you said. And so when I usually go someplace, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be in the area. And usually I, you know, meet up with a couple of people and, um, it doesn't really make it feel that way. And I think, um, a lot of people get really, tied up and like follower count and all that stuff. Like you said, you don't have to have a huge following to connect with people. And, um, that's how I've made a lot of like my really good, like best friends, honestly, is just being like, Hey, do you want to go hike? And then that kind of leads into other things too. So, um, I guess I should probably tell people that more often than not, but I, you know, it's just stuff that you forget as you do it, I guess, as you go along. But, um, I think all that's really good. And I also liked what you said about, you know, when you are feeling lonely, it's not like I don't ever feel like that, but it's just um, letting yourself feel that way. Like you have to figure out, like, are you lonely because you put yourself in that place or are you lonely because you actually need the time to be alone and think about things? And um, I think that for the most part for me was probably the hardest when I traveled solo Mm -hmm. um, the first couple of times because it's like I needed that space, but I hated it. Oh, gosh, Mm -hmm. I hated it so much. It was like you could think about all the horrible things and you could just you started learn you learn things about yourself that you're like, whoa, hold up now. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta figure it out. And um I think all of that is just we don't talk yeah. about that a lot either. I feel like you and me could talk for like hours about random stuff like this. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep it condensed, but I you know, it just um it's it's interesting to to hear people talk about it because it's stuff that no one really talks about, but it's really important and yeah, um, I think we've kind of all, for the most part, like even I am some, like, you know, a little bit dependent on trying to make, you know, like situations are supposed to be 
perfect and you know that everything is fine and dandy and that you know people are here to hang out with you all the time but it's not especially as an adult you learn that the hard way that making friends as an adult especially when you move places all all the time is like it's not as easy as like walking in elementary school and being like hey do you want a twizzler like yeah <laughs> it's just it's not like that so um you know some really good advice there yeah and I mean something that has a moment that I had myself too was I was sitting there and I was sitting in Nicaragua and even like thinking back and telling the story it's like why the heck were you lonely but I had been traveling for six months not traveling with anyone um staying primarily like in hostels where everyone's tourists and traveling through or vacation rentals And I was sitting there working on my computer. My phone didn't work. And I just started crying. I was so alone. And it was like, what am I doing? I just want to move home more than anything. My friends are all sitting at the bar right now, having happy hour, like talking about their lives and sharing moments. And I don't even have anyone I can talk to about the things that I'm experiencing. And I was talking to a friend and they're like, you're living your dream life. Like you are literally working for yourself from a computer, like sitting in a tropical location and sharing all these amazing photos. Like you worked your butt off to get there. So you can't complain now that you're there. (laughs) And so it's a little bit of both of like, you can complain. That's totally fine. But that gave me some perspective on like, yeah, this was something that I had worked really hard for to be here. So um, I'm going to give myself a little while to, be alone and have a poor me, but then recognize that this was ultimately something that I really wanted. Yeah. And I think we're like our own worst enemies about things that we want most of the time. We're like, oh gosh, it was supposed to be all, you know, amazing, like glitter flying everywhere. Everything's excellent. And sometimes it's not. And you realize that and you're like, oh, I kind of did this to myself. And then you kind of, you got to figure it out from there. So I think that one's good too. So this is like, I guess, our last real question. Um, If you had one thing to say to gals out there who want to kind of live this lifestyle, whether it be just solo traveling or bicycle touring things, what would it be? Yeah, I think this ties everything together that we've talked, we've kind of done the ups and downs of like the logistics and the emotional part and the mental part. Uh, But if you want to do it, I would say read a ton. Find those people that you really want to follow and um, find the people that are doing the adventures and the travels that you want to do the way you want to do them. Follow them. Ask questions. Don't, don't be afraid to ask the questions. Um, you know, you don't, if, if you're really afraid to ask questions, create a fake profile and go comment on people's blog posts because those bloggers, no matter how big, are there to connect with people as well and they will respond. Um, so I would, I, that, that would be my biggest piece of advice is if, seek out that information. If it's not there, ask the people that you look up to. And when you said comment on bloggers, um, posts, I'm going to tell you right now that there's probably not anybody in the world that's like, I don't read my, my comments on my blog posts because that's like a big deal. Most people don't even take the time to like comment on a blog post unless it's like your grandma or your mom. So, um, you should, (laughs) if you comment on a blog post, you're probably more likely to get a response than like a DM on Instagram from somebody big. So I think that's, that's a good one too. 
So where can we kind of find you, kind of find you, where can we find you online and social media? Because, you know, you have your blog and all that stuff. um, So people can kind of follow your journey and all the cool stuff you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the Pedal Project on all social media platforms. Um, Instagram is kind of my favorite. And then my blog is thepedalproject.org. And um, it's pedal like a bicycle. So pretty straightforward and if anyone has any questions, like do exactly what I just said and DM me, comment, ask questions. Uh, I'm currently working on a beginner series of just all of the content and all of the questions that I had and never asked. And I know people are asking and wondering themselves. So um, if there is a question and you want to have an answer sooner rather than later, just let me know. Yeah, but you sound like a great resource. I know that I've uh, this conversation has helped me figure out some things. Um, but I think um, o- overall, I think the whole project, the whole pedal project in general, is just a really cool, cool thing to do. Because I know when I started my blog, it was kind of just like something I took photos of my dog out at the dog park, and now it's like something entirely different. But yours is just it's, it's got a lot of good information on it, and. Um, if you guys want to to visit all of her social media and website, we're going to put it in the show notes below so you guys can have that and not try to guess how to spell things because I know sometimes I'm not great at that either. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast today, Avery. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure everybody's going to be asking you a million questions after this. So um, prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Well, we are done with another episode. Avery was such a great guest. We are probably going to have her on another episode again soon. Um, I know that we could talk for hours and I'm sure we would probably bore you guys (laughs) to an extent, but um, I'm really glad that she came on here. I think that her project is an excellent way of showing people the world. And I think that she has a great attitude that um, will help just about anyone. So I think Um, This episode had a lot of information that will inspire you, motivate you to do the things that you want to do, and that's what we're all about. So um, before I hop off here, we are going to not have an episode for the last two weeks of December. I believe that's it. Oh, it'll be the last week of December. No, no, no. The last two weeks of December. Sorry. And um, we will start again in the new year. Um, we are going to take a quick break for the holidays. Everything's getting crazy over here. So I just wanted to give you guys an update about that. Um, and also if you have any ideas for interviewees for future podcasts, please, um, send us an email at galsinthewild at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. Um, so if you have any other questions, comments, concerns, feedback, we'd love to hear from you guys. We've been getting a lot of good feedback and I'm super excited, um, that some of the, The connections we've made have been through the podcast already. So um, we have a bunch of people that we are going to feature here in the next couple of seasons of the podcast, but um, season one is going to come to an end here shortly. So thank you so much for listening and um, we will see you guys next time.